ila nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiati a'malina may yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu wa may yudlil fala hadiya lahu wa ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa nashhadu anna Muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu salawatu rabbihi wa salamuhu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ومن دعا بدعوته الى يوم الدين اما بعد برادرز ان سيس ان السلام والسلام عليكم ورحمه الله تعالى وبركاته الله سبحانه وتعالى سبيكس تو اس ان القران ان سوره المائده فيرس 54 الله سيز بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا من يرتد منكم عن دينه فسوف ياتي الله بقوم يحبهم ويحبونه اذله على المؤمنين اعزه على الكافرين يجاهدون في سبيل الله ولا يخافون لومه لائم ذلك فضل الله يؤتيه من يشاء والله واسع عليم الله سبحانه وتعالى in this verse of the holy quran addresses the believers in Islam and Allah says O you people who believe those of you who will turn away from this deen if you turn away from the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fasawfa ya'ti Allah biqawmin yuhibbuhum Allah will replace you with a people that he will love he will replace you with the people that he will love wa yuhibbuna and they will love him so the outstanding quality of the new ummah will be that they will love allah and allah will love them adillatin ala almu'minin a'izzatin ala alkafirin they will be humble and they will love other believers and they will be honorable towards those who reject Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yujahiduna fi sabilillah they will fight in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they will strive in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wala yakhafuna lawmata laim and they will not take notice of those who will criticize them says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for fighting the good fight on behalf of Islam dhalika fadlullah yu'tihi man yasha that is the grace and gift and favor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows on whom he wishes wallahu wasi'un alim and know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to him belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth and know that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all knowing and all seeing we are still in the month of heightened celebrations as you may have noticed of maulid or what we call the celebration of the birthday of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and i have spoken at length on this topic and basically the topic is about the defense of the sunnah the topic is not about maulid or maulud the topic concerns the sunnah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the sunnah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam cannot be taken away from the personality of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam the personality and the person of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is one both come from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala both allah is honored to the highest and so we as the ummah muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam has a responsibility and a duty to see the danger signs in the attacks on muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam both from inside and from outside <coughs> We have just 
witnessed an attack on the offices of a cartoon newspaper in France, in Paris. And we saw that a number of people were killed in this attack. And we are told that the attack was because the cartoonists and the editor of this particular magazine had published caricatures of the Nabi Wasallam without clothes on. And vehemently talking ill about Muhammad And the whole world has condemned this, what they call outrageous act of blatant murder and terrorism from the White House to the Blue House to the Yellow House, whatever houses they may have. Everyone has condemned this episode. And they've condemned this episode because they say that this is an attack on democracy and it is attacked on freedom of the press and an attack on freedom of speech. And they feel that world, the first world, that has all the armaments, all the drones, all the armies, all the technology, they feel threatened by us threatening their luxury of freedom of speech and democracy and freedom of the press. What should a Muslim do about this? What should our attitude be towards this? I have told you before many a times that the enemies of Islam because they are not our friends have done everything in their power since the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Muhammad to the world. We see, I quote one example in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tabbat yada abi lahabin wa tabba. You know the surah. Ma aghna anhu maluhu wa ma kasaba. Sayasla naran zata lahabin wa mraatu hammalat al khatab fi jidiha hablu min masad. What is this verse? What is, what is this surah about? Why did Allah reveal the surah? The surah was revealed completely and entirely for one reason and one reason alone. That was a blatant and unprecedented attack on the personality of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Here was a man by the name of Abu Lahab, who was the uncle of the Nabi sallam, son of. Abdul Muttalib, married to the daughter of Abu Sufyan, Umm Jamil. And what did he do? Why did Allah curse him on the dunya and his wife? Because his wife assisted him in the attacks on the Nabi wasallam. And Allah puts him in Jahannam and his wife in Jahannam. In other words, There are sins that can be forgiven and things that can be overlooked. But there are certain things that Muslims can Allah doesn't overlook it and we can't overlook it. And so the enemies of Islam from, the, from that day, day of Quraysh, time of Abu Lahab, throughout 14, more than 14 centuries, there have been people who have, been, have tried to chip away at the edifice of Islam. Because they saw Islam is the only solution that will bring equality, harmony, 
and peace to the world. So they have tried every trick in the book to degrade Islam. They have tried it with the Quran to find fault in the Quran, they failed. They have written, I have a shelf of books in my library on the text on the Sunnah of Muhammad wasallam. not him, on his Sunnah. Written by both Muslims and non-Muslims. We have people sitting in this masjid and in many masajid who don't believe in the Sunnah of Muhammad You may not be aware of it, but they live amongst us. They pray with us. They look like us. Abu Jal being the uncle of Muhammad looked like him, dressed like him, had a beard like him, the kurta like him, spoke his language. They are people who say that we should only take the Qur'an. In fact, they go further than that. They say that our problems are because we have the Sunnah of Muhammad These are Muslims. So we have a great responsibility and a duty to speak about these matters. And so having passed the buck of criticizing the Sunnah of Muhammad from them to the Muslims, I have found so many Muslims who are very eager to do this. If you go on the internet, you'll find them, anti-Sunnah Muslims. Find them all over. And the worst that the Muslims do is what? They fabricate a hadith of the Nabi Not only do they some reject the sunnah, but they fabricate a hadith of Muhammad To suit their own ends. They will try and justify making sujood on the grave by fabricating a hadith of the Nabi They will justify praying and asking the dead by fabricating a hadith of the Nabi I just saw a hadith being circulated by a man called Kabbani, one of the leaders of the Naqshbandi Sufi Tariqah who sits in, in America, who says that Nabi is more valuable to us dead than alive. He has more powers when he's dead, now that he's dead. And our Sufi masters have been given some of the secret of the Nabi and so they are also more powerful after they're dead than when they're alive. They circulate this. Their followers believe this. My family and your family living here in Cape Town, not in New York or like here. And when you want to engage them, they will tell you, my Sheikh said I shouldn't argue about these matters. And I must just believe it. So we are in a very grave situation. When it comes to the Sunnah of Muhammad So the West, as I said to you, from time to time, they will test the Iman of the Muslims in their Prophet From time to time they will do it. They will will push the envelope. So that which comes to memory, of course, is the book written by Salman Rushdie, the Satanic Verses, in which he openly and blatantly attacked the Nabi and Aisha and all the other Sahaba and Sahabiyyat. And of course, immediately there was a fatwa given for him to be put to death, and he had to be, the British government gave him uh, security to look after him and so forth and so on. And he was revered in the West as the new liberator of Muslims from the bad prophet and the bad religion that they had. 
So those who wanted to criticize, they sit back and said, no, 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 we can't. Muslims are still very, they're still very, they're very attached to their Prophet wasallam. They love their Prophet. We must be careful about Muhammad wasallam. But as time went on, they started with making short clips, movies. The Dutchman made a clip of the Nabi wasallam. Now, and from time to time, you'll find in Sweden now in France, they publish cartoons of the Nabi Adam. Why do they do this? They're testing the waters, nothing else. All they're doing is they're seeing how far can we push the Muslims? How, far, how can we break it down? They've done the same with their own faith, Christianity. They've attacked every single pillar of Christianity and broken it down. Every single one. Every single one of the pillars of Christianity has been destroyed, completely destroyed. Starting with, starting with what? With making God out of Isa That is the beginning. We know, for example, the Catholics had to take wudu before they went into the cathedral. And you find that many of the, of the, uh, of the Catholic Church, we're going to Catholic Church, there's a little fountain in front, in the, in the vestry of the church. That fountain and water was to take ablution. That was taken away. Then they had the mass in Latin, that was taken away. Then they now they have Muslim priests giving the sermons and so forth. So everything falls by the wayside. First it was only women can marry men, now it's so what? If they love each other, no matter what their sexes are, we'll, we'll perform the nikah. The same is being done to Islam and Muhammad Muhammad being the ideal representative of this deen. So this happened. The reaction was that these people went into their machine guns, they shot people, they killed people. The world is an uproar. Now there's an uproar in the world against what they call freedom of speech. People should be allowed to do whatever they want to do. But the hypocrisy in the situation is this. They talk about freedom of speech. But every single country in Europe has got special legislation that outlaws and criminalizes people who criticize the Holocaust. So if you are in France and you say anything about the Jewish Holocaust, about the Hitler's killing of Jews, you can be sentenced up to one year in prison. If you write anything about it, denying the Holocaust, if you deny that Hitler killed the Jews, it's a crime. In fact, Bosnia-Herzegovina was the last country in Europe to institute that kind of legislation in their parliament and it was proposed by a Muslim. So what are we saying? We're saying that you talk about freedom of the press, but if I want to express my freedom as a Muslim or as an historian against the fact that I don't believe that Hitler killed 6 million Jews, you're going to put me away for a year. So where's my freedom of speech? You talk about freedom of speech, where's my freedom of speech? In other words, you practice selective freedom of speech. When somebody talks against Muhammad wasallam and insults Muhammad wasallam, oh, now you're attacking his freedom of speech. If somebody wants to speak and say that he doesn't believe in the Holocaust, that Hitler killed 6 million Jews, then, then they say, oh no, 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 no. You're not allowed to say that. We have freedom of speech, but that you're not allowed to say. Because we have legislated against that. That is the hypocrisy. The other thing I want to say, which you're all aware of, is that when they slaughter millions of Muslims in the Middle East, it's fine. Nobody apologizes. Nobody apologizes. In fact, today the Japanese are still not apologizing for what they do to the Chinese in the second They refuse to apologize. They refuse to apologize to the Koreans for taking the women as prostitutes during the Second World War. They refuse to apologize. But we, 
Oh, we go first to the newspaper. Oh no, we Muslims in Cape Town, we don't agree with this and we condemn it and we condemn this and we condemn... Have they ever apologized for what they did to us? Have they ever, ever apologized for attacking a country, Afghanistan, who had nothing to do with 9-11? Killed hundreds of thousands of Muslims right up to as I'm speaking to you now. Have they apologized? Never. Have they ever apologized for attacking Iraq, who had nothing to do with 9-11? Killed millions of Muslims, slaughtered babies and everybody else. In fact, before they entered Iraq, 500,000 babies died because of malnutrition, because the United States of America and the United Nations had placed an embargo on imports by Iraq of baby powder and baby medicine and all that kind of thing. And what do they expect of us? Oh, where are the Muslims? Why? Where is your leader? Don't you apologize? Are you with these terrorists? Do you agree with them that they kill our people, shoot them in cold blood? As I'm talking to you, they're killing Muslims. As I'm talking to you, they never apologize. And if we tell them, if the, if the Afghanis tell them that, but you, 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 your drones are killing innocent people, what do they say? Oh, it's collateral damage, we can't help it, they were in the way. The whole family that we killed in them, that, that family was just in the wrong place, in their own home, but the wrong place at the wrong time. So don't ask me to apologize. And under the circumstances, don't ask me to apologize for ISIS either. And while I'm at it, don't ask me to apologize for what Al-Qaeda is doing also. And if anyone wants to add to that, welcome. So we have this onslaught, it's not going to stop. And this onslaught unfortunately against the personality of Muhammad that which hurts me the most is the attack which comes from inside Islam, amongst us. That we refuse to accept that Muhammad came with a sunnah. He came with a way of life to which we pay lip service. He came with a complete way of life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a verse which I quote so often a verse revealed 81 days before he died a verse after which no verse was revealed that contained any legislation that was the last piece of legislation. Al-yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum. Al-yawma akmaltu. Akmaltu means? What does it mean? Perfected. So Allah, the first thing Allah uses, to, the first word Allah uses when He spoke to His Prophet the last time was perfection. Use the word perfection. What is perfection? Perfection is what it is. Completion, complete perfection. Al-yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum. Then He uses the... What? Mamtu alaykum ni'mati. Completion. I've completed my favor upon you. Completion. Perfection? Completion. Then Allah SWT used the word, وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينَ And I have approved for you. I have chosen for you Islam as your faith, your deen. So Allah says, perfection. Your deen is perfect. Second one is, complete. I have completed for you. Not my words, not the words of Muhammad of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Three Allah says, what does Allah say? Third one, I have approved for you. I have chosen for you Islam as your deen. So what do we say to Allah? We say, oh Allah, sorry man, but you know, we are we good Muslims, you know, we, we're very traditional Muslims, you know, and we pray and we, we do everything, but you know, there are certain things you, you unfortunately left out of this deed, things that we love. You, you left it out. You, you left, a lot of ibadat you left out. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, before I tell you what those ibadat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left out, and Muhammad also left out, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the 49th surah of the Holy Quran, verse number 16, listen to this verse. For those of us who say, yeah, but you know, it's a good thing, you know, all these traditions and bid'ah that we're so good, you know, we mean good. You know. It's all about getting people together, this and that. Oh, you know, we consider it good. Allah says, Surah 49, don't look it up inshallah when you go home. 49, 16. What does Allah say? Allah says, Qul. Say, O Muhammad. Allah says, O Muhammad, tell the Muslims. What was he, what was he tell the Muslims? Do you want to teach Allah his deen? You only teach Allah his deen. You only tell Allah what he left out and what he should have done. وَهُوَ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ When he knows everything that is in the heavens and on earth. Because that's the bottom line. That's what we tell Allah with our traditions. This is part of our culture, Ya Allah. We are Malays and Indians and we live in Cape Town. This is our culture, O oh Allah. This is the culture that we have. This is what we do. You may not have included it in your deen. You may not have given it to us in the Quran. You may not have spelled it out to your Prophet But this is our culture. This is our tradition. We listen to you, we read in the Quran about perfection of your deen. We read about completion of your deen. We read about what you have approved. But really now, this is us. As somebody said on the radio, please leave us alone so we can celebrate our maulud. Even if we know it's a bidah, just leave us alone. Leave us alone. We do what we do and you do what you want. Unfortunately, we don't have that kind of luxury. That luxury, that option was only given to one people at one time. That option was given only to the Quraysh of Makkah. What is the option that Allah gave them? What did Allah say to the people? What did Allah say to the Nabi Sassam to tell them? قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ Oh, you reject. لَكُمْ دِينَ The last part, I'll just quote the last part of the surah, you know the whole surah. لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ وَالْيَدِينَ To you, your faith practices, and to me, my faith practices. That option is not given to Muslims. We can't tell each other, hey, I practice my dinas, I want to practice, you practice your dinas, you leave me alone, I will leave you alone. That option was given by Allah only to the idol worshippers of Makkah. What are the options Allah gave to us? Allah says, "Kuntum khaira ummatin ukhrijat linnas ta'muruna bil ma'ruf wa tanuna al-munkar." You are the best of nation. Why? Because you order the good and forbid the evil. Wa ta'awanu ala al-birri wa taqwa wa la ta'awanu. Allah says, your second choice is, your second command that Allah commands is, you must cooperate says Allah. On matters that, of bir, of righteousness, goodness, and taqwa. And the Nabi says, Famous hadith. Nabi said, 
If you see people doing anything wrong, and what is the biggest wrong that Muslims can do? What is the biggest wrong? What is sharrul umur? Sharrul umur. Nabi Sallallahu refers to it as Shar al umur. The worst matters. What are the worst matters that Muslims can commit? Muhtathatuha. Newly invented matters in the deen. The worst thing you can do. Every bidah is what? Every newly invented matter is a bidah. And every bidah is misguidance. And every misguidance is in Jahannam. That's the worst matter. Nabi Sallallahu said, if you see somebody doing wrong, then you should change it with your hand. Meaning if you're a teacher or a father, or you have authority, you can use force. I can't use force on you, I have no authority over you. But you can use force on your children, not on your wife. And if you can't use force, what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Speak. Speak. Use your tongue, speak. Speak. Because if you keep quiet, you are just as guilty as the one who commits the act. And certainly the Nabi Sallallahu says, if, you, if you're too shy to speak, if you're the kind of person who says, Eka blame a friend with Amal. I want to be friends with everybody, not with Allah and His Prophet. I want to be friends with you, brother. And then Nabi Sallallahu says, and the weak, the person who doesn't say anything and makes dua for these people, he has the weakest of iman. So perfection, Allah has perfected the deed. And don't come with your rationalizations to me. Don't come about, oh, what about this and what about... Allah says He's perfected the deen. Don't rationalize. He has done it and He is Allah and He created the heavens and the earth. And Allah says, don't teach my, me my deen. Do you want to teach Allah His deen? 49.16 If you haven't seen the verse before, now you know the verse. I've told it to you, now you know. Nabi Sassam said, a person who has one grain of kibber in his heart will not enter paradise. One grain of kibber, one grain of pride, of haughtiness. So the Sahaba asked, he said, Ya Rasulullah. One Sahabi said, Ya Allah, I'd love to wear nice clothes and nice shoes and live in a nice house. Is that kibber? Is that pride? Nabi said, No. Inna Allah jamil yuhibbul jamal. Prophet said, Allah is beautiful and He loves all things which are beautiful. So the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, what is pride? He said, Pride is Batarul Haq Wahamtun Nas. He said, Pride is when you hear the truth. And you ignore the truth. Truth doesn't, that truth is not good for my traditions. Wagam to nas, and you look, Prophet said, number two is looking down on people. And that, Nabi Sallallahu says, is what Kibber is. Afatu alimun Allah. You want to teach Allah his deen? Really not. You want to teach Muhammad Sallallahu his deen? There are people who say, and I say it again, people who say that Allah didn't prohibit the celebration of Mawlud. They say, show me in the Quran where Allah says, can't celebrate the Prophet's birthday. It's not in the Quran. Show me a hadith where the Nabi said, I prohibit you to celebrate my birthday. No hadith. I agree. There's no hadith. No, I have the Quran says you can't can't do it. Did the Sahaba know this? 
Did the Sahaba know that there's no verse in the Quran that said you can't celebrate Malwud? Did the Sahaba know the, all the hadith that they live with the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Did they know this? They knew it, of course they knew it. So why didn't they celebrate the Prophet's birthday? The Nabi was asked one day by a man, said to, the man said, Ya Rasulullah, Man ahabbu nasu ilayk? Who do you love the most? He said, Aisha. He said, Aisha, my wife, Aisha. The man said, no, 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 no. I'm talking about who do you love the most of the men? He said, Abu Bakr. And the man asked after that, and who after that? So he wanted the people to say, maybe he, Prophet said, Umar. And then the Prophet named Umar, then Uthman, and then Ali. So the most beloved person to the Nabi from his own mother was that Abu Bakr. I love you the most. Nabi said, one day he was standing in the masjid, and Umar was, Abu Bakr was standing on his right side, Umar was standing on his left side, and he took their hands and he said to the people, like this, nuba'atu yawma qiyamah, inshallah. Like this, we will rise on the left qiyamah. We will be holding each other's hands. I'll be holding Abu Bakr's hands on my right, and Omar's hands on my left. And Nabi said about Uthman, I can't tell you everything. He said, Uthman, he said, لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍ رَفِيقَ said, every prophet has a friend in the Jannah. Wa rafiq if you Jannah, Uthman. And my friend in Jannah will be Uthman. Radiallahu ta'ala. About Ali, he said, on the day of Khaybar, the night before they were going to attack, the Jews were inside this massive castle with massive doors. They were under siege for 20 days already. Muslims couldn't make any breakthrough. The Nabi Sallallahu said to the Sahaba, I called them together the night before and he said, he held up the flag of the army. And he says, tomorrow I will give this flag to a man whom Allah loves and he loves Allah. So the Sahaba, Father, they were up and they were sitting and they were waiting for the Nabi to hand over the flag. To the man, how did the Nabi refer to him? Allah loves him and he loves Allah. And Nabi Sassam said, where's Ali? And he gave the flag to Ali. And that was the beginning of victory over the last stronghold of the Jews in Medina. So that was the love that those people had, I only mentioned four of them in one incident in, in all their lives. Those were the four of them. And Allah says about them, رَبِّيَ اللَّهُ عَنُّمْ وَرَضُوا Allah says about the Sahaba, all of the Sahaba. Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they never loved Him. They didn't love him. Because we say we love Muhammad We say those who don't celebrate Mawlu, they don't love Muhammad That's the biggest argument. That's the biggest, biggest argument. The biggest lie also. It's a lie. Why is it a lie? Because if you just put the love of Abu Bakr of the Prophet on one side of the scale, and you put the iman of the whole world on the other side of the scale, the Prophet said, Abu Bakr's iman will weigh heavy of all the... And they never, they never did this. Something is wrong in our history then. Something is wrong with our Quran and our Sunnah. Something is wrong. And to go to the Tabi'een, Imam Shafi'i, Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Imam Malik, all of them never celebrated Mawlud. 
Didn't they know the Quran? Didn't they, didn't they know the Prophet didn't prohibit it? Didn't they know that? And I'm using Mawlud as an example, not as something to, to talk about all the time. How many examples, things that we do? That was never, not part of this deed. And so they also didn't love the Prophet But we love him. Oh yes, we love him. We love him, how do we love him? We love him by practicing that which he never told us to do. If a man says, I love the Prophet, I pray five times a day. No. That's not the qualification that we give to a man who loves the Prophet. You don't want to put salawat on him, you don't love him. And yet every single Muslim puts salawat on the Prophet ﷺ five times every day in every salah. The Nabi ﷺ said, إِذَا مَاتَ insan." And I can't get this thing to do something else. Prophet said, when a man dies, all his actions come to an end except three things. Don't my Shaykh who said this, or my peer, Muhammad said this. Three. He said, all your acts come to a complete end except three things. Knowledge you left behind, people benefit from it. Left behind a child or a relative who makes dua for you. And a waqaf that you establish or sadaqah you establish that people use. All the time they use it, you get the word. We scoff at that. Like we scoff at the, like we reject the hadith on bid'ah. When Nabi Sassam said it's dalala, it's misguidance, we say, but you know, we bring guides from Yaman to tell us it's guidance. Who are you to tell us it's misguidance? We bring mashayikh from that side from the, of the world and that side of the world to tell us it's not misguidance. Who are you, Muhammad Sassam, to tell us this is misguidance? Who are you to tell us we're going to go to fire of Jahannam? Is this your job to put everybody in Jahannam or Muhammad Sassam? That's what you came to? That's why Allah sent you to this dunya? To put us in Jahannam? This, this, is, this, is, how, this is what we say because we say, Bidah, it's good, man. Prophet is the worst of matters. We say, no, 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 no. We say, no, no, no. You have a lot of a good bidah. We make nonsense of the whole hadith. Throw it away. Hadith of only three things continue. Fine, but you know, we'll make three nights, seven nights, 40 nights, 100 nights, 2,000 nights, 100 nights. We do all kinds of things by the coopers, by the coopers, by the house, by. And what do we say? Oh, you see, my father's a good man. You know, this will help them. It should help them, you know. But the Prophet said only three things will help. One is knowledge you leave behind, secondly is children to make dua for and three is sadaqah that you leave behind. You say, ah, but this is part of a culture, Prophet, man. You don't understand. You see, you lived in Arabia. You know? We do this here in Cape Town. This is Cape Town. Like a man got up in the assembly of ulama, of the ulama body of Cape Town. One of the Mawlana's got up and he's told the students from Medina, when you come back from your studies, you leave your Tawheed in Medina. We in Cape Town have got our Tawheed. This is how we do things here. And if you want to be appointed as an Imam Masjid, you must be prepared to do this, 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 this. And if you don't do this, 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 we won't consider you to be Imam of the Masjid. And the list doesn't include Salah. 
The list of qualifying to become an Imam at a masjid in the Western Cape doesn't include Salah. They won't ask you, Malana, will you be five times? No, no, no. They'll ask you, do you make Hadat? Do you make Maulud? No? Sorry? Application refused. You're a Wahhabi, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that chef, that fight is a Wahhabi. End of story, finish, finishing clock. No more arguments, no more questions. Wahhabi. He doesn't, he doesn't want to make Maulud Wahhabi. Shame. Poor Imam. Imam. What is his first name? Muhammad Abdul Wahhab. He wasn't even born when Maulud was started 600 years after the birth of Muhammad in Egypt. He wasn't even born. There was no Saudi Arabia. How can they blame that poor man for not making Maulud? But it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an act, you know. It's, a, it's an act. It's a, it's a nice word to use. Wahhabi. And if it's not Wahhabi, then it's Salafi. I'm speaking to Muslims, and I find it difficult. Imagine how the Prophet must have felt when he spoke to the Quraysh. They were idol worshippers. I feel sometimes I speak to you and I quote the hadith and you look at me and you say, yeah, but... And I look at you, your faces, and I quote the ayah of the Quran where Allah says, you know, do you want to teach Allah's deen? You say, I feel uncomfortable, you know. Why do you feel uncomfortable? You know why I feel uncomfortable? Because Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Badar Islamu Gariban wa Sayyoud Gariban kama Badar. This deen started strange. It's again become strange. Strange. How could you say these things are strange? You know, this is a strange thing you're telling us. No, you're telling us very strange things. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Who are the strangers of the deen? Who are the strangers? The strangers are those who preach the sunnah when everybody else preaches something else. Those are the strangers. My dear brothers and sisters, I don't know how I'm going to live for. I, I could die tonight. Tomorrow? Next year maybe? I don't know. And therefore, and you also, we have to make a commitment to Allah and His Prophet. There's only one straight road. Allah doesn't talk about, Allah only says, إِهْدِنَا صِرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Only one straight path. And the Nabi Sallallahu tells us that there will be 73 sects that will come. And only one will go to Jannah. And they're asking which one will go to Jannah, Ya Rasulullah. And he said, Ma'ana alayhi wa ashabi. He said, the path that I am on and my companions are on, that is the path that will go to Jannah. And that is the decision the Muslim must make. And it's a challenging, challenging decision to make today. But I say it to you today and I say it from the bottom of my heart. Because you may ask me the question, very valid question. Why now? Why? When you've celebrated Maulid your whole life, why? Why now? Because you see, when you grow grey, and you know you're going close to Allah, you reflect. And you apply wisdom to what you know. And I give you a small example. I give it again, and I give it to you. Uthman, radiallahu ta'ala'an, the third Khalifa of Islam was the, was the son-in-law of the Nabi. He was married to 
Ruqayya and Umkulthum. Son in law of the Nabi. He went for Hajj with the Nabi. When he went for Hajj with the Nabi, the Nabi shortened and joined the prayer on Arafah and at Mina. Correct? When the Prophet died, and he became the Amir al-Mu'mineen, and he was in Mina, he completed the Salah, made four rakahs for Asr, and four rakahs for Dhuhr, and then combined the prayer. So other Sahaba came to him and said, Uthman, what is this? You're not following the Sunnah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Nabi combined the Salah, why are you, why are you completing the Salah? He said, if I should reduce and combine the salah here, you see all these people who are here, I can't explain to all of them that it's only for now that when you go home, you must make full. You see, the Bedouin Arabs, maybe they will say, oh, you know, Uthman, we were with him on Hajj, he made only two rakats for the world, and he made the word and Asa together. We now can do it, mashallah. We follow his example. So the wisdom and the call of the hour is to look at what we're doing and see where it's leading us. There was a time when this was... We had a one night, that was it, finish. Today, it's become a rallying call for the establishment of the 73 sects which the Nabi Sallallahu will all go to Jahannam. Every single person who comes here, the first thing he establishes, you must make this. Mawlud, and this you must make, and this you must make, and this is the group. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, guide us. You're not answerable to me. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm dust, I will go, come from dust, and I'll go back. To, you forget about me. Don't even think about me. But think about what I quoted from the Quran and Sunnah of Muhammad. That's important. I don't have a group or jamaat or a, no, no, I refuse. Don't hang on my coat. I, I can't. You hang on the coat of Muhammad and follow the Quran. I'm not interested in starting a group of doing this and doing that and do it this way and kiss you on my forehead or kiss my no, no, no. Not interested. I'm not interested. فَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِي إِلَى اللَّهِ Allah says, and fear the day when you will return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fear the day when you will return to Allah So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and make us always of those who love the truth. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give inshallah that we return to the path of the sunnah. We return to the path of the Qur'an. وَاللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ عَلَىٰ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ تَعَلَىٰ وَبَرَكَةٌ